Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German, as the big voice man alluded to. And we are breaking down Ohio State's 35-16 win over Rutgers on the road Pushing them to 9-0. and You guys can chat along with the show, by the way. You might see a familiar name in the comments here. So however you're watching us today, please free, feel free. Add in your commentary. Uh, if we see it during the show, we'll make sure to shout it out. But Spencer Sherman, as we get started, Ohio State wins 35-16. to The score's a little misleading. I'll ask you, because I've seen it on the internets, does this qualify as an unimpressive win for Ohio State? Yeah, I, I think it's probably their their most unimpressive win of the season, largely just because um, I think this was the first game where you felt like there were some maybe cracks in, in, on the defensive side of things. I mean, they give up 232 yards rushing, 5.4 yards per carry to Rutgers. Uh, they only gave up 129 yards passing, which was obviously pretty good. But it, it was a defense that all year we've talked about has kind of carried the workload for this team. And Ben, as, as you talk about what is their identity, I think their identity has been that stout defense, keeping them in games, um, you know, giving them shorter fields, kind of when the offense needed to kick in the ass, the defense was always kind of there to do that. And they did do that today. They had the pick six, which was obviously huge from Hancock, and, and that certainly changed the landscape of the game um, at that time, especially because you had Rutgers going on that long drive. And that kind of felt like, Nick, like a tipping point, like, they, they, if Ohio State, Rutgers was already up 9 7. 
are you going to let them go down the field and go up like two scores now and kind of put this thing where the pressure's back on you in a game that you probably should win? And so that play did kind of flip things. So the defense still did what it usually does, which is sort of set the stage, set the momentum for this game. Um, especially when you talk about Rutgers going their first three series of the game were three and outs before they finally kind of put together a nice drive to score there and then to start the game. I think the defense did set the tone, but at the same time, you walk away seeing some of the, the rushing numbers against them and it makes you realize like, yeah, this probably wasn't their best effort, um, which makes it a little bit more worrisome. And I do think that on the offensive side of things, like it was a grind, man. It took until that second half for them to kind of figure this thing out and get it together. And Travion Henderson was kind of their their secret weapon, if you will, or not secret weapon, but their their one weapon that was doing anything really effectively. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think it is probably their most unimpressive win of the season. But as we continue to say on the show, it's the latest test, and you passed it. So you keep it moving. What's Urban Meyer always say? The best thing about being nine and zero is the chance to go ten and zero, and that's where the Buckeyes are at. Andrew has shouted out to us saying, "If Nick's camera has any less pixels, this would be radio." I am using an older <laughs> model uh, computer. Thank you for shouting that out. Yes, uh, one of these days I'll get a real computer. One of these days, just not today. As everybody knows, I'm the cheap ass one. Gotta see if Dustin will buy me one. Um, I that's, think we're going to be your next ploy. You got him to buy you shoes or golf yep. shoes, didn't you? You got to get him to buy your new laptop. I'm getting the full pretty woman treatment out of Dustin Fox. Is <laughs> and I'm milking this thing as long as I can. Um, I object to using the word unimpressive. It was an unimpressive first half. It was a mistake-filled first half, including the decision to go for it on fourth and whatever, fourth and short, what fourth and five, right on your own thirty. Um, in the second quarter, that was disastrous, and I don't understand the point of that. And listen, I, I, I also think Rutgers did a hell of a job early. That, but the, but the point is, in the fourth quarter, you did, you, you finally wore Rutgers down, like you have every other team so far this year, and you pulled away. And I, I, I just think we've gotten to the point where if I call it an unimpressive win, I think it's not giving these kids any damn credit. And there are, listen, there are some things that we can get to, but like. I object to the idea that this is an impressive win because Rutgers are actually a really good team. And what we saw today was a really – Hence the name of the episode. Not your dad's Rutgers team. (laughs) But maybe your uncle's Rutgers team since Greg (laughs) Sciano was there 10 years ago. But, like, I think that's it. I mean, you just faced a really tough, disciplined team, and you didn't buckle. If anything, you had a stroke of luck with the Hancock interception – and then from there, you took the game over. Like you outscored them twenty-eight to seven in the second half. I think that should be. I think that should count as impressive, even if it wasn't the sexiest game ever. Yeah, and, and I want to clarify too. When I say it's the my, my comment specifically was it was their most unimpressive win of the season. That doesn't mean that I have to sit here and 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 say like, yeah, they looked like they looked like garbage or whatever. Like I, I think they looked like the Ohio State we've come to know, Nick, this year, which is. Like I said, they ride sort of the coattails of the defense. It takes a while for the offense to kind of figure things out. And then they 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 have their spots they where they, they're able to kind of soar and take off and they make some nice plays. And when they need it most, they count on their star athletic uh, players like Travion Henderson, like Marvin Harrison Jr., who didn't have a huge game from a yard standpoint today, but he had the two touchdowns, which I think firmly keeps him in that Heisman conversation that we like to have. Um, but, yeah, like I, I think it was – I, I hate to sound like a broken record with this, but it does feel like it's kind of the same blueprint each game. And to your point, like I sort of took the 
the jabs at Rutgers in the a couple shows ago. All your fault. All your fault, <laughs> it sir. It is. I'll take the blame on that one. Um, but I admitted in, in our, our Tuesday show, like, yeah, that was probably unfair because this Rutgers team this year is better than past Rutgers teams. They were they were six and two coming in. Greg Schiano, as you, you use the word discipline, I think he does have them very disciplined, and I think that showed on the field today. So yeah, well, they, I, I, it's 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 their most unimpressive win of the season, but it was it was the same style of win that they've had all year. I just every time you say unimpressive win, I do wince a little bit. Like it, <laughs> like it's it's it. They covered the spread. It was eighteen and a half points. They covered the spread. I guess a really good team who, in in fairness to Rutgers, like you, we were talking about the word discipline. They had three penalties all day. And even though Wimsat had the interception, by and large, they didn't have a lot of like obvious what the hell are you doing plays, which for a team that with the talent level of Rutgers is really impressive. And, you know, like Manungai was fantastic today. Yeah, 24 carries, good. 159 yards. I and- thought the read option game sort of exposed Ohio State's defense a little bit today too. And, That's something they're gonna have to get better at. If if I'm if I'm offering advice to Rutgers, I think they should have continued to go after Wimsett or Wimsett and uh, and Menungai were unstoppable in the first half. And now, all this being said, what was most impressive to me across the entire game is the Buckeyes' defense. Uh, they gave up a lot of chunk plays today, which bears out they gave up more uh, yardage than uh, the Rutgers' defense did, but very early in the game, you had three goal line stands that that went from. What could have been, uh, you know, twenty-one points for Rutgers, all the way down to nine points. So even though Rutgers led nine-seven at the half, I that was really a pivotal moment because when they needed to, even though Manungai would make a huge play here, or you just kind of have a couple big chunk plays in a row, they were able to to kind of bottle up Rutgers in the uh, in the red zone. So I mean, again, like these are the reasons why that. To me, I think you can paint this picture however you want. And it just depends on what colors you want to use. Um, I thought it was an impressive win because I thought Rutgers played a hell of a football game. And the idea that you were able to pull away late with as physical as they are, like, you know, Ryan Day always talks about toughness, toughness, toughness. And ru- there there are very few teams in the Big Ten as tough as Rutgers. That That's just Chiano's program. That's just what you can come to expect from him every single year. Well, even though I thought they were winning the, the the battle physically early in the game, across four quarters they didn't. And I so so for the first half, I thought Rutgers was the more physical team. You even saw shades of that in the yeah. second half. But and in the end, Ohio State did just they were too physical, too talented, and a lot of that starts with Travion Henderson, who I thought got bottled up more early. And then as the game went on, you just kind of saw the run blocking chipping away at that very talented, very physical Rutgers defense. And then Travion just started making plays. And that really felt like, to me, like between that and the defense, the good of this game for me from Ohio State side of thing is you, you did bottle them up when you needed to in the red zone mostly. And then on the other side of things, Travion Henderson, this was his moment. Uh, he followed up 200 uh, all-purpose yards last week by doing another 200 this uh, this week. And whereas last week you could point to Marvin Harrison Jr.'s performance, this week Marvin Harrison Jr., despite the two touchdowns, relatively quiet because of a phenomenal defensive game plan. Yeah. Uh, the, the Rutgers corners really did a great job of taking him and Abuka out of the and, game. And, and to be clear too, Nick, like coming into this game, Rutgers' pass defense was fourth overall in all of college football. 
in terms mm-hmm. of like yards allowed per game, just based off of that metric alone, like you knew it was going to be tougher sledding in that part of the game, which is why I was intrigued to see how they handled that. And the run game obviously came alive today with Travion Henderson back there. And that was huge, especially in the second half, as you mentioned, when Ohio State started to pull away. So, yeah, I mean, that was good to see that you kind of faced a team that was good against the pass. And they certainly bottled up Marvin Harrison Jr. quite a bit. Um, but they responded the right way, and you kind of knew that was going to be uh, something they had to watch out for coming into this one, for sure. And you know what's interesting is I object to saying it's an unimpressive win. I'm very curious how the college football selection committee, whom ranked the Buckeyes first based off their strength of schedule or strength of record, that's the teams you played, um, and, and the two big wins against Penn State and Notre Dame, I do wonder if this game, if the – if what other people are saying is unimpressive, yourself included, whether that impacts the Buckeyes in the polls, I don't think it should. Because yeah. in the end, well, you won, you won by damn near three touchdowns. I don't like. At some point, you got to give you got to give them credit uh, for yeah. what actually the end result of it. I and like I said, that's why I think there's a difference between saying it's an unimpressive win and saying it's their most unimpressive one of the season. Like it's 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 compared to other games. Like you feel like this one, they maybe should have been playing from ahead a little bit sooner or not gone maybe not gone into the half trailing like that's the kind of stuff you look at where you're like eh, it wasn't as impressive but I still feel like the committee has to look and realize like this Rutgers team again going back to the title of the show this is not your father's Rutgers team like this is a better team than previous years they were six and two they have a really good run game they have a really good pass defense the run defense is nothing to to to, to um nothing to sneeze at either because they're like 35th overall, I think, in, in terms of run defense coming into this game as well. So I think all around, like they're a physical team, they're a disciplined team, all those different things. I think, Nick, the bigger question in regards to what this means in the eyes of the committee has to do with what happens with the other teams that are ranked below Ohio State. We know as we're doing the show live right now, this won't this won't sound great for the, the uh, audio audience later on in the day, but as we're recording this show – Georgia and Missouri are tied at 10 late in the second quarter. We know Michigan plays Purdue on the road coming up here tonight. So there's still some things that kind of have to play out, and we have to see how those maybe impact. I think it's less about, like, if if Ohio State wins this game, or they did win the game. So with Ohio State winning, like, they've done their part. They, they always say just, like, win the game in front of you. Okay. So now I think it's about, like, does Georgia blow out Missouri from here and they make a they have a convincing win where it's like okay now they're going to jump Ohio State. Does Michigan do something that impresses you against Purdue? Which I don't know that a win over Purdue really does much for you anyway. It should do um, nothing for yes, no one. I Purdue agree. I agree. <laughs> but that's that's more so I think what it's about because you're right. Like Ohio State took care of business. They covered the spread. They they they're nine and zero. You can only ask them to beat the teams in front of them. I also think too, Nick. Here's another thing. Does the the committee clearly looked at resume to make Ohio State one. Did that resume take a hit today with Notre Dame losing to Clemson? And that's, I think, another part of this equation as well. Yeah, I think it's funny, man. Like, I don't. How are we supposed to grade? And I don't. I don't know the committee ever really is truly transparent on this. Is it how impressive oh, they, a win they, they was? Go back and forth all the time. They it was. It, is it how impressive <laughs> the win was at the moment, or is it how poorly or how well a win or loss aged? Because mm. like. I feel like if that last one's the case, man, you're going to be playing, you're going to be playing moving the goalpost every single week with just about every yeah. team in America. Like, uh, who had the big win? Oh, Kentucky had the big win over Florida earlier this year. 
and now Florida's five and four. I mean, <laughs> does it does it take anything away from that win and how big it was at the time and how well Florida was playing until that moment? I don't know. I don't know. And like yeah. again, yeah. I don't think there's perfect answers, by the way. But I just think it's the slippery slope of all the little machinations of the, the playoff selection committee. That's almost why, like at the end, if they overly dissect this game, they probably will come away thinking unimpressive. But like at the same point, one, you have to give Rutgers their credit, which we've tried to balance here in this first segment. And two, it's the end result. Yeah. So like the like the the whole point is. All four quarters matter, but recency bias should matter because that's the fourth quarter more often than not tells the tape of the game unless it's a fluky game. This yeah. in no way was a fluky game. If anything, Ohio State made it closer because of some of the decisions they made or some of the lack of execution, and yet they still covered. I don't that maybe that's the best take I can have on this. I don't <laughs> think you should be allowed to be dropped in the rankings when you cover on a divisional game where the other team isn't like, this isn't Purdue. Okay. This yeah, isn't, yeah. this isn't a two win team. It's a good team, not a great team, but their style kind of naturally, naturally, uh, naturally gives them a chance to beat you. That should, should, it should be enough. Unless, unless of course, I mean, right now I think the Georgia Missouri game is tied and again, not great yeah. for the sake of the podcast audio, but the reality is if Georgia wins by a touchdown, Oh, cool. Okay, well, then you're kind of where Ohio State was versus either Penn State or yeah. Notre Dame. That doesn't mean all of a sudden your resume is that much better. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, we're going to see the same thing, I think, with uh, LSU and Alabama later today because if, if LSU beats Bama somehow, which I don't think is going to happen because their defense is terrible, but uh, if they were to beat Bama, what does that mean for FSU? Does FSU now have one of the more impressive wins of the, of the season with that LSU game. Like, and you're right. It changes it, that. That's the hard thing with that being part of the equation is it changes based how the season kind of progresses. And then like how you view the team then versus how you view them now. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I, th I do think though, to your point, Nick, and that's maybe the best way to sum up this part of the conversation is that I think it has less to do, or it should have less to do wherever Ohio state ends up next week. It should have less to do with, how the result of their game, because you're right, they covered, they pulled away, they beat a good team, and they've kind of done it the same way they've done it all year. And if that was enough to be one before, it should be enough to be one now. I think it's more about what plays out now behind them with the other teams that are obviously ranked close to them. So, again, we'll see what that means. We'll see what happens with Georgia, Missouri. We'll see what happens with Bam and LSU and, and Florida State and all these other games. But, um, yeah, I, I think you got to kind of take it for what it is and realize, like, this isn't, Rutgers from five, six years ago where they were terrible and people wondered why they even came to the Big Ten in the first place. All right, guys, keep the comments rolling in. Andrew has been very, very persistent. We've got plenty of things to get to here. Of course, Ohio State gets the 35-16 win over Rutgers. But as we are a new podcast, please make sure to hit uh, the follow button, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, And of course, Make sure to like every one of our little posts here on 92 Through the Fans YouTube channel if you're uh, following us live here. So we're going to continue on with this. We do have to get to some of the decision-making by Ryan Day. But first, a message from our sponsors.
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, guys, back here. Sons of the Shoe podcast. Nick and Spencer breaking down 35 to 16 Ohio State over Rutgers. And I think it's now time where if you have any seldom used platitudes, which means awesome, excellent, whatever, amazing, um, it's time to bring them out for Travion Henderson, who followed up last week's 200 all-purpose yard performance with with more today. And, and this one, to me, this is you won because of Travion. And I thought the yeah. offense made some mistakes early. There were some questionable play calling. We can get to all that, but just you got to really start with Travion Henderson's performance and his ability to both be physical, which I think helped them in this matchup. And, and you know, the other team wore down, not him. And then just his special ability to turn like that, that kind of that shallow check down into a huge, I think it was a 29 yard or I can't remember the exact yardage, but it took you right into Rutgers territory like that to me. There was a vintage Travion Henderson performance today. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, Nick, we talked a lot last week just about what the identity of this team was going to be. And do you have we asked the question flat out point blank, like, do you have any faith that over the next three games leading into Michigan, that Kyle McCord can somehow ascend or take another step or become a, a, a one of the quarterbacks we've kind of known in recent Ohio State history under Ryan Day, and if he can kind of become the identity of this offense, or if it's something else. And, and I think today proved it. Like, I think from here on out, this team against Michigan, the you know, the teams that you're going to be stacked up against and the true, like, tests of – who you are and what you are and whether or not you're going to be a playoff team. I think the identity of this team is, is, is the run game. And I think it's going to go as Travion Henderson goes. I think that was evidence today. Um, and on this, it, I, let's give some respect to Marvin Harrison Jr. He to, to here, like it goes as he goes as well, but obviously part of the equation with him is Kyle McCord has to be able to get him the ball. And so I do think like, how Travion Henderson, if it starts with Travion Henderson kind of getting the run game going, taking some pressure off Kyle McCord, great. And then how they're using Marvin Harrison Jr. to get him into open space, whether it's getting him on cross routes like we saw against Wisconsin a couple weeks ago or otherwise. Like those are the ways that you're going to beat people with this offense from here on out. And I think that that's key. It's key that they know that going into that game against Michigan. It's key that they out physical a team like Michigan. I think we saw some of that today with the offensive line against an opponent like you mentioned. That was very physical themselves. So I think at this point, I'm willing to sit here and say, like, the identity of this team 
is the run game. That's what's going to kind of set the tone on the offensive side of things. And if they can get that going specifically with Travion Henderson, then I think they actually have a shot in in, in a game like Michigan to upset a, a team like that. Yeah, it feels like run the ball a lot and then take selective shots, you know, or not just run the ball, but use short passing game to try and generate third and shorts, which I think they did actually really well early in this game. I think McCord started seven for seven. Actually, at one point after, I think, five drives, I think it was 11 for 13. So I'm torn because I think that works really well, but then you kind of have to balance it. You know, it was Ibuka's first game back, so I'm not going to make a big deal of that, but then you're trying to balance it, and it's, you know, I think at some point over the next couple games, Kyle's got to spread the ball around to evenly between Ibuka and Marvin. Right now it just feels like he's just looking for Marvin. Right. Like he's just yeah. that that's his will and, and I can't blame him. I can't blame well, him for that. When you got the best yeah, receiver in football, like, yeah, but at the same time you, you can blame him for it. Ohio State it turns Ohio into turnovers like or close best, to turnovers. Like, receivers in the country. So yeah, you're right. Like <laughs> so I mean, I, I think I think this is going to be the 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 Achilles heel philosophy is oh, all right, let's run the ball and we're gonna take shots, but I just you know, McCord continues to me. He was tight again today. And I got to be honest with you. I don't think the play calling helped him. I know. Okay. I know he had three touchdown passes, but well, and I guess he had, he was, he was, he had completed 70% of his passes. I was going to ask if you thought this performance was worse than, than last week, which it's hard to say when he had 73% completions and, but I don't know. I, I just felt like there was times in this game where he just, he just looked like he was not there. The, the interception was bad. I don't know. I I just I I it's, it it felt a little bit worse to me than last week. But then he ended with three with three touchdowns, and it's like okay, I can't really say that about it. But I don't know. I think the two late touchdown passes. Actually, the first touchdown pass to G Scott was just like oh, I mean, that was, it was good. here. That was so good, like yeah. those are really good passes. I there's there's a chicken or the egg thing happening in my head when I watch these games. You know, one of the things we talked about with the last game against Wisconsin was, you know, is is Ryan Day, was that a moment where Ryan Day just let him sling a little bit more just to try and try and see if he can open it up a little bit, right? It's Camp Randall, it's night. Can he take a couple more shots and maybe see if he builds confidence? Well, today, you know, my my Ryan Day theory was that, but that it would, if that was the case against Wisconsin, you would see that bear fruit over the next few weeks. Today, the play calling, there's one piece of play calling which does not line up with this, which makes it even more infuriating, which is the decision to fake the punt. Yeah, let's talk on, about it. On fourth and five, at your own 30, when the whole game, you've not given your quarterback a chance to really take too many shots down the field, and you've pretty much just been playing the most tight-ass game. And it like it, this is it's, here's why it bugs me. I don't mind an aggressive coach. I don't. I don't mind a selectively aggressive coach. But in that moment, with that game so tight, against a team that doesn't make mistakes, against a team, quite frankly, in Rutgers, that was having success with the run game and you were your, your offense was struggling with that and maybe chunk plays, like that's so early in the game. Why does Ryan Day do it? Like, seriously, yeah, I, like, I just need to know, like, why do you do it? What's the thought process when the rest of the game, up until the uh, – the Hancock interception for a, a touchdown, the the pick six. Up until then, 
Ryan Day had the biggest cleft asshole in that stadium. <laughs> and I just, I don't like, uh, pardon my language, it's just the tiger guy out of the cage, I'll put it back. But oh, like, good. I just didn't Let understand. Out, like, how does it make sense that you coach so tight that it is drop back, what, three-step drop, five-step drop, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass. You're not letting Kyle yeah. McCord do anything. And then you're giving the opposing well, offense premium position with that decision. I, I So I got I got a sort of – I think I got an answer to that. But I also wanted to bring up to, with the fake punt. And I, and I, t- I texted you about this, Nick, because I was, I was busy with some other things. So I had the game on mute while I was watching it unfold. And so I, I texted you because I said, Nick, did, was that like a planned fake punt? Like, was that a planned thing? Or was that like bad snap? He just decided, oh, crap, I got to take off a run. And you flat out text me back and you're like, no, yeah, that was that was planned. That was a planned thing by Ryan Day. That was intentional. And I, and I was beside myself like, why? Why? And and, and I, I, I don't know. This is another one of those things like I got to go back and track this. I got to go look this up because maybe I'm wrong, Nick, but I just feel like there's so many moments throughout Ryan Day's coaching tenure where he presses and and tries to go for it on fourth down like at the wrong times or mm-hmm. he he it, it just feels like it's a constant thing with him like he's looking for a spark for his offense and so he just decides all right we're going to go for it on fourth down here even if it doesn't really behoove his team to to do so and and I don't know like you could always throw out the argument like well maybe he just trusts his defense that much but like in that situation I, I don't think that was it at all as much as it was he was just looking for a spark for the offense, and it was probably the wrong time. Like that was a very James Franklin decision to make to go for yeah. it, to, to fake that punt at that point in the game. Well, you know what's um, ironic about that? I so was I got talking... to track it, but I, I feel like that's the case with him. I just do. I was talking with a friend about Ryan Day, and we talked about Franklin, and we talked about, and it's funny because they're not young anymore, right. but oh, it's yeah. it's it's coaches that grew up in the analytical age. And, like, I don't know Ryan Day and Greg Schiano are that removed in time, but, like, Greg Schiano has a definitive persona of who he is and what – and his team is a manifestation of that, right? You know exactly who Rutgers going to be. Whether they have talent or not, it doesn't matter. They're going to be tough. They're going to be physical. And they have an identity that's been consistent pretty much the entire time Greg Schiano has been there, Yeah. okay? I don't know we can say the same with Ryan. And this is less a criticism, it's more an observation. But it does feel like, like it, it I, and I think it was Ben Axelrod of Awful Announcing that said this, and so I don't want to just steal it outright. It's just, he had, Ryan Day at points has no coaching personality. There's no, there's no like, oh yes, this makes sense because this is usually when he goes for it. And if you were that concerned that this game was going to be that close, if you were that concerned about we got to make some things happen because I don't trust my quarterback, that moment just didn't make sense. Like yeah. It just doesn't. And that's what's frustrating. If you were at their 30, oh, okay, well, you'd be trying to kick the field goal. But if you were, <laughs> no, hell, even if you were at, at what, the, the the 50-yard line, maybe I could get my head around it. You're at your own 30-yard line. Yeah, and I just, yeah. that's a moment where he got, let's be honest, the defense bailed Ryan Day. Oh, out. yeah. I mean, they held him to a field goal there. That was yep. That was a huge swing in the game. That and the and the drive, that and the pick six, and and we can get to the pick six a little bit more here in a second because I do have something else on Ryan Day, but the pick six which halted a huge momentum swinging drive for Rutgers, and that stop after he went for he he went for the fake the fake punt 
I think were two of the biggest key moments in the game because it swung momentum heavily back in Ohio State's favor in two instances where Rutgers really could have like seized it for themselves. So, so all right, but, real quick before we do this, because Ryan yeah. Day was just quoted that what appeared to be a fake punt wasn't a fake punt. So he's now saying that was not intentional. Yeah, okay, so the question now is: Is he just saying that, or is it was it actually a fake? <laughs> is he throwing I'm, his play? Is he throwing his punter under the bus right now? Is that I'm going to need more details on why this wasn't a fake punt, why this wasn't intentional. All right, is this is this uh, is this Andrew Barry? Uh, you know, um, telling somebody don't send that fax at the trade deadline, so they the Browns didn't give up a second and third for AJ McCarron slap ass. Well, that wasn't him. Pat? That wasn't him. Who yeah, did that, but that was no. the Hugh Jackson era, wasn't it? Oh no, you're right. though. Sashi Brown. Yeah, Sashi's Warriors. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but no, man, I I don't want to get I don't want to attribute that one to Barry. That's, that's... Um, yeah, put it all on Sashi where it belongs. Thank you, Sashi. <laughs> Praise be Sashi. But like, I so wh- where was the miscommunication? Right? Was Ryan yeah. Day secretly yeah. thinking of I don't know any other quarterback? Was he like daydreaming? Like you know, sometimes men unhappy in their marriage will daydream about other women with their wife right next to him. Maybe he was doing that. Maybe he's thinking about Michael Pratt of Tulane and whether he'll go into the the transfer portal and whether he would be better than Kyle McCord. I don't know, but well, I, fake what? or not, fake or not. Um... I still think what we're sort of saying here stands about Ryan Day about not really having an identity. And I wonder, Nick, like this is my you had a theory on Ryan Day last week. I think I maybe have one here. Like, Ooh, do you think theories? Do you think that he coaches with what's go what's going to be said about him on his mind at all? Or not even maybe him, but just like about his team? Because the the, the reaction he had after the Notre Dame game, which I'm not saying it's bad. I love when anybody coach, player, general manager, the janitor who mops up the floors and hears things in the building. I don't care who it is. If they give you like raw emotional reaction like that, that is what we love in sports. We don't get enough of it. Here in Cleveland, we're used to Kevin Stefanski coming out and giving this very robotic AI, uh, Elon Musk robot answer, and it's it sucks. Like we love those types of reactions. So that, that moment was really cool. But be, for him to react that way, like in that moment, right after the game, and I get that it was an emotional thing. Like you just want to kind of like a walk-off touchdown. I get that. But at the same time, if he's hearing that stuff, if he's paying attention to it, do you wonder at all if like he's thinking about like in certain spots, well, what's going to be said about my team if this happens? Or what's going to be said about my team if we don't score here? Or if we don't run up the score on this team or whatever? Do you think that that's a thing that goes through his head? I don't know what affects his decision-making, but do I think he feels the pressure finally after, was it, you know, four years? Do I think yeah. he's finally feeling significant pressure? Yes. I, well, I think and he, think about it. Like, your athletic director's leaving. Generally, the athletic director that hired you is a safety net. And yep. I kind of get, like, this was a different thing because it was Urban Meyer kind of tabbing his guy and passed it off to him. So it was a little so bit different. So he could go, do <laughs> young co-eds at a bar what did you call it the uh the... oh irby two digits yeah two digits. yeah we didn't forget oh people man. don't forget i forgot but it's still a great line um no like i i i don't know like it, you, there's certain elements here and there's context here as to maybe why and think about it like these coaches will say like oh we block out the outside noise but then the first people to tell you at their post-game press conference like yeah you know hey why'd you score an extra touchdown with a minute to go and you already up two scores well you know, we want to impress the committee. So, you know, they're thinking about this stuff in the in the game of like how 
how do we set ourselves apart and how do we let people know we're for we're for real? I can't imagine where Ryan like I don't cry for me, Argentina. He gets paid an ass load of money. Okay. And we should remember that. <laughs> but like I do empathize with Ryan because he's achieved so much. And he's actually like from Urban. He's raised the bar to another yeah. level, despite not winning a national yeah. title, despite not beating Michigan the last two years. But I think the guy that has been terse after games tells you that, yeah, he hears everything. And I think he knows. Like, I think he understands that this is a pivotal year, whether it's winning a national title and or beating Michigan, that the last two years feels like a step back. And listen, guys, I'm a pretty logical person. I don't think anything should happen to Ryan Day. He might frustrate me from game to game, but people that compare him to John Cooper don't clearly remember the John Cooper no, era no, no. because Ryan Day started his career with a win against Michigan. It took John Cooper a half century. I'm slight hyperbole. Also, Ryan Day's never had anything close to a losing season. John Cooper no. did have a couple early struggles. So, like, it's not close, and I just think, like, but at the same point, I also understand, like, let's compare this to Michigan. Michigan is undefeated, coming off a playoff berth, has, has beat Ohio State twice. This is their best team with Jim Harbaugh. They have a legitimate chance to win a national title. And yet, there are boosters acting within Michigan right now to sabotage Jim Harbaugh's contract extension, <clears throat> Jim, uh, Jim Stapleton, because they just don't like him. So, like... If that's happening at another undefeated team where because Jim Harbaugh likes milk with his steak or some weird crap, like, yes, I do think Ryan Day is very cognizant of the fact that he's had a lot of success, but the two ways that people measure success in Columbus, he has not done in the last two years, and, and one he hasn't done ever in winning a national title. So, yeah, I, I think he acutely feels the pressure, and I think – Here's the other thing. I think Ryan Day knows his quarterback's not good enough. And I don't mean yeah. not good enough. Like Kyle McCord is a legit starting college football quarterback. He is. He's fine. Like you put him at Pitt, he's fine. You put him at Rutgers where he wanted to go, he's fine. But he's at Ohio State. And this is a pivotal stretch here. And if you end up losing to Michigan this year because of Kyle McCord, there's going to be a whole lot of questions open up, namely – why didn't you go into the transfer portal like everybody else seems to do and find a quarterback that fits your system? Why why, why did you fall back on Kyle McCord versus Williams when you probably didn't feel like either guy was, at least in spring ball, establishing himself the way you want to? So fair or unfair, Ryan Day's smart enough to know boosters are not sane people. They're just grown-up college fans, all right? They're just 18-year-old Buckeye fans that turn into 70-year-old Buckeye fans, except now they've got a shitload of power and and are absolutely have nothing other to do and bitch about other than Ohio State football and live that. When it's good, it's great. When it's bad, and it's not bad now, but it's bad for him, and it's bad for where Ohio State's used to being, this is where the, the pressure comes in. So I don't think that's why he did or did not decide to go for that uh, fake punt or not fake punt, whatever we're calling it. But I'm telling you, this is a dude who you see in between games, in between, there is a defensiveness to him that has grown in his time. And I think it's just, he knows. It's bleep or get off the pot. He might not get fired, yeah. but 
but you added, you know, uh, the retirement of Gene Smith. That doesn't take effect till next June. That doesn't matter. Yeah. If well, you don't take care of business this year, it's going to be everything all in next year. And I and I do think off of my theory, like I think maybe the bigger point here, what you brought up is the the common court effect. Like we heard rumors that they didn't feel like they had the right the, the best quarterbacks, and, and that's why it took so long to name one. I mean, he didn't name one until like the week leading up to the game, the, the first game of the season against Indiana. So I, I think maybe that is is the bigger thing here. Like he might just know that hey, our quarterback's not the same guy we've had in recent years. We're going to have to win different ways. And maybe that's why he coaches the way he does this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, whatever the reason is, I, I think there's certainly some factors there that weigh on him during games, and that comes out the way he calls plays. So, all right, guys, we got one more segment to go. We got the Michigan panic meter. We've got like it, love it, and leave it. As always, follow me on X or Instagram at Nick Wilson says Spencer at Spencito. We've got more to come, but first. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, it's time for the Michigan Panic Meter. For those of you new to the podcast, we've got five levels to the Michigan Panic Meter. Gray is the least panic. Light gray is the second least panic. White is neutral. Light scarlet is the second most panic. And then scarlet is the most panic. I came into this, uh, Spencer, at light scarlet. What did you come in at? 
Uh, I was also light scarlet. I've been pretty much light scarlet with. I have been in different positions of the light scarlet category from the beginning. Always good to switch positions. Now I will start this by <laughs> asking you the question. Hey, um, did you did this game give you any concern to start going from light scarlet to scarlet? Um, it did because I, again, I, I, I watched this one unfold with Kyle McCord and I felt like he was not playing well. And I was like, how is this guy, how is this guy supposed to beat Michigan? Um, but then I feel like by the end of the game, I was sitting there salivating at the mouth over Travion Henderson and saying, okay, if this can be their identity, then maybe they, maybe they actually have a shot. If they, if they can run the football and be a more physical team than they've been the last couple of years against Michigan, then maybe they have a shot. So groundbreaking update here, Nick. I think I am going to just just barely, just barely cross the border into white. From white Oh, wait. So, so you're going backwards. Yes. So the man who thinks this is a unimpressive win is moving it backwards. No, okay. All right. Your panic's neutral. I'm staying at light scarlet. This game went more or less how I thought it was going to. Um, I didn't. I, I kind of expected Ohio State to start slow because they have started slow. Um, I expected the physicality of Rutgers to give them problems early in the game. I thought best case best case scenario for Rutgers is they would have been able to do that for four quarters. At which point they would have uh, they would have at least covered. But by and large, like like Kyle Manunga is great. Wimsat is, yeah. is or Wimsat is like honestly, I I think if Devin Win or Gavin Gavin. I think if, if Wimsat was your, your quarterback, I actually would be really intrigued to see him in this offense because of the dual threat yeah. ability there. Yeah. Um, but listen, you got, you covered, you won, and you passed the test on the road. And it's a tough, this is a good win. It just is for me. So I'm going to stay at light Scarlet. Now we get to the next part of our exam, which is like it. Love Maybe, it. I might have been tainted a little bit too, Nick, by the latest developments of the Michigan cheating scandal. Like they, Connor Stallions is out of here. The the Jim Harbaugh contract thing. Now it sounds like there might be an actual punishment coming. I don't know. Although maybe that works the opposite way, and it's just a revenge tour for Michigan. I just, I but they did I, a revenge tour a couple of years ago, and that didn't work out too. I'm gonna tell you right now, the whole Michigan science uh, <laughs> sign stealing thing is a Rorschach test. If you're a Buckeye fan, you're going to see Michigan is the wor- biggest cheaters to ever cheat, and they should they should get the death penalty. If you're Michigan fans, it's a witch hunt. Like, I, the funny thing is, I'm still very interested in it because it's insane. Oh yeah, but to the level that people are like, well, like one day people are like, yeah, I don't think Michigan's anything's going to happen to them. The next day, they got their pitchfork out, like they're going to burn it down. I also thought it was funny that like the latest update this well, there was a couple updates this week, but the latest update late in the week was that Michigan now has information that Ohio state hired like a, a, a PI who did, who, who uncovered all this. And it was like, uh, okay. Uh, like what, like how, how does that like prove your Like, Well, if they weren't, if they weren't cheating, if they were looking at us cheating, then we wouldn't have gotten caught cheating. It doesn't well, matter who had the PI come to me. So again, but, okay. this is a report from a reporter in Michigan, but the reason why it actually matters is that according to people in Michigan, the way they would have obtained that information is illegal, which it adds intrigue. But I will go back to, I don't know what to believe anymore. I just know it's stupid. And this thing's overblown and everybody overreacting to it plays into the NCAA, (laughs) which is the worst organization in the history of organizations. 
in sports. I mean, you kind of got to add like the Does in Connor sports. Stallions ever get a job in college football again? Uh, no, but he will get one in porn or OnlyFans. <laughs> uh, all right, love it, like it, leave That's it. I will the, start. Always the backup player when you when you're out of options, you know. <laughs> for dudes that look like that and have that name, not for Nick Wilson. I'll be working Stallions. at McDonald's. Okay, if radio doesn't work out, I'm going to McDonald's. If Connor Stallions fails at football and is a bad spy, he's going to show his dangling on the internet. That's how this goes. It's again, nobody ever said life was fair. Somehow the show always takes a turn towards porn. I don't know how. Towards dinglings. I mean, who'd have thunk it? My love it this week was the ground battle between Manungai and Travion Henderson. 287 yards combined between those two running backs. 350 plus total yards because of Travion's 80 receiving yards today. Um, listen, it's great to be in the situation where we are, Spencer, where I got to see two elite running backs go head to head. And fortunately, the team that I like won, but there is nothing to be ashamed of. Kyle Manungai is a real yeah, deal. And if I was, here's the thing it won't happen because Greg Shiano would murder them. If I was looking this year, if I was a new head coach or or a head coach rebuilding a program after a good run, I would try and get Wimsett and and Manungai together for their last years in college because those dudes together can ball. Who? What is your love it? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to go with with uh, Henderson um, as an option, but I, I I was gonna throw out the the Hancock interception as well. I just I look back at that moment, man, and that was such a pivotal point in the game you have Rutgers driving down and it feels like momentum could be swinging even though they already had the lead if you don't get that interception there in the pick six to make it 14 to nine it felt like it swung momentum very much back in Ohio State's favor I don't know what this game looks like without that especially if, if Rutgers goes and scores a touchdown there so I, I just thought that was such a pivotal point in the game I got to love it, man, because, again, I, th I think it, it, it could have gone much differently if that play doesn't happen. Well, and in fairness to what you just said, you know, like last week against Wisconsin, there's probably four or five minutes that swung the game. This was the play. If yeah. this doesn't happen, it probably is closer uh, a closer game. And I don't, think, I don't think there's any scenario that Ohio State actually loses the game, but it would have been a lot more uncomfortable, and I think the win would have looked a lot more ugly. My like it today. Uh, with this win, Ohio State now has 37 straight wins against unranked opponents, mm. longest in the nation. I grew up in the Jim Tressel era, and I love Tress, so this is not a thing against him, but I'm used to the Purdue loss, uh, the the uh, the spoiler makers. I'm used to the odd Illinois loss. Um, even Urban, man, like Urban kind of yeah. had a stretch where it felt like he would do weird stuff against uh, bad teams, so... Ryan Day continues to beat the teams he should beat, especially the unranked teams, and he hey, he covered again. What's yours? Yeah, it's a good stat. Uh, I was going to throw out just a third down defense. Rutgers at one point, they were 0 for 6 on third down, I think with like 6.37 to go in the third quarter or something like that. They hadn't converted one. Of, I, I might have missed the – I might have had the number off slightly there, but they were 0 for whatever they were. Um, and then they finished the game – just 4-13. And Ohio State's had one of the better third-down defenses in general this year. I, I know kind of beating the dead horse here with how good the defense has been on certain statistical categories. But I, I, I tell you, Nick, like when I when I think about what a good defense is in any level of football, you know, you used to look at like, oh, well, they give up a lot of rushing yards. That's not very good. Or they stop teams rushing. The two big ones I look at every time are 
third down defense and red zone defense? Are you forcing field goals and keeping teams out of the end zone? And are you getting off the field when you have a chance to get up the field? More often than not, Ohio State is getting off the field. I think that's a huge, huge thing, a huge identity and staple of this defense and this team. And if they can keep that up down the stretch here, I think it's it's a stat that gives you a chance against Michigan if you're if you're good at that. Um, it's a stat that gives you a chance against anybody if you're good at that. So I, I really walked away liking that a lot. My leave it is time of possession. Rutgers uh, out yeah, gained you time of possession. Um, out timed you. I don't know. 35, <laughs> uh, 35, 15 time of possession for Rutgers, 24, 24 for Ohio state. And by the way, those numbers looked really ugly about halfway through the third quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it could be worse, but that was my leave it for today. Spencer. No, this I'm actually glad you brought that up because I meant to earlier. Uh, the, yeah, the, the time it was obvious today that Rutgers had a, a plan of how they were going to beat Ohio State. It was listen, we know their offense is more limited than previous years because of their quarterback. They usually need a they, it takes them a long, long time to kind of get things going offensively for the most part. So they knew like if we restrict how many possessions they actually get, and they weren't able to cash in. But if you cash in. Like, that seems like the way you beat Ohio State for sure. Like, they kind of laid a blueprint here that has me a little bit nervous about teams moving forward. But um, my uh, leave it in that vein of taking some time to get going offensively, uh, just the first quarter and first half offense this year has been just absolutely diabolically bad. Ohio State is 84th in all of college football in terms of first quarter points on average. They're averaging – 4.7 points in the first quarter of the season, Nick. Like, that is really bad. They're averaging 15 points, which is 45th overall in all of college football for the entire second half, or the entire first half, I should say. That is something that's going to have to change because, like, it's it's the prime example of this team isn't really built to mount a big comeback. Like, they cannot afford to get down early to a team like Michigan because if they go the whole first half only scoring like one or two times, they're 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 shit out of luck. Like that's it, they're, they're doomed. So they got to find a way to get that offense moving and, and cooking a little bit sooner in games. It's been a problem all year, and it's certainly be a problem against uh, more um, um, superior opponents like Michigan and others. Never forget. I'm the cursor on the show, Spencer. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a lot of fun, guys. Ohio State gets a big 35 to four, 35 to 16 win over Rutgers. Again, they covered. We'll be back on Tuesday as we get you ready for the next game. We're also going to take a look ahead at uh, all the different storylines facing the Buckeyes. And then, of course, uh, Tuesday night, we will have the next live edition of Sons of the Shoe with the latest college football playoff rankings, can Ohio State stay at one? But uh, it's been a lot of fun. Follow us at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore. And we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Be good.